morning, Tim. I start there. Start with the governor's race. I was just looking at some of the polling that came out uh, most recently. Uh, governor Brian Kemp comfortably ahead in most of the polls. Here comes this Quinnipiac poll that shows it a lot closer than the others. Uh, do we look at one poll like that? How should we as consumers treat these? Going to get a lot of polls between now and Election Day. Usually starts happening after Labor Day. What should we as consumers of political news do with, with the polling data that's in front of us? Uh, there's actually two suggestions I would have. One is that, uh, of course, my company, Landmark Communications, is a regular polling company ourselves. And I would be the first to say that there is not a scenario where someone should just look to one poll or one uh, recent poll as sort of a determining factor on what's going on. You want to look at a collective group of them, and there are two good sources for that. One, you can go to realclearpolitics.com, and that is a, an aggregation of many different polling companies. That's probably the easiest to read and easiest to understand organization. And that's the Real one that, that I use here pretty much on a daily basis. That's my go-to. That's right. And the other is 538.com, mm -hmm. and those are the words, 538.com, and that is a, a spinoff of the New York Times they are also an ag aggregator, and uh, they keep up with polls from around the country. So you look at a grouping of them. The, the second thing is to, to sort of – I prefer to look to companies that are for-profit organizations. In other words, they live and die on whether or not they're accurate to uh, at least a great degree rather than nonprofit organizations. So I uh, particularly like um, for-profit organizations that I look to for polling. With that being said, the poll you referred to yesterday, um, uh, Quinnipiac mm -hmm. uh, University, they do show the, the race closer than other organizations. Um, the previous three polls that had been done uh, were eight. They had Kemp up eight, four, and seven. The one yesterday that came out uh, shows Kemp up two, and um, they uh, – so they, they and they're frankly they're a pretty good polling company even though they are a university polling company. And they similarly the Warnock Walker poll, the Quinnipiac doing that one as well. There were three consecutive yeah. polls that showed Herschel Walker leading very very tight margins, and suddenly here comes Quinnipiac and its poll, and there's Warnock plus as I forget now six or eight points in that poll. And I, I'm wondering if that's not simply an outlier, and maybe they're oversampling. I don't, you tell me. What do you see when you see that? They did show the uh, the race, both of these elections being a lot closer than the other organizations right now. Um, Warnock up by six. You know, I, I we're not really finding that at landmark at this point. Um, but uh, the other organizations have shown you know, one, two, and three point leads for Walker, or a one or two point lead for Warnock. My sense is that that might be a little bit of an outlier, the, the the poll that was released yesterday, and it probably showed a little more of a pro-democratic – I don't want to say bias in a deliberate sense, but a little more of a pro-democratic – uh, result than the others have found. Again, Mark Roundtree at Landmark. Uh, let's talk specifically about Landmark polling. What are you showing in these two races? Well, we're showing that uh, among Republicans that the by, – by far the driving issue is inflation and the economy, uh, that three-quarters of Republican voters are naming the economy and inflation as – the deciding factor in how they're voting. Of course, they also have a predisposition to already vote Republican. So it's not that you know those races are making them Republican. It's just inspiring them 
to uh, uh, want to get out and vote. Among Democrats, it is much more of a varied situation. They're, they are inspired more by the abortion debate. Um, that is a, the top driver uh, for them. Um, it would health care was another one. Um, so there, it's sort of a it's a hodgepodge of issues, but they're they're they are more engaged than they were uh, six months ago. There's no question about it. Democrats are more engaged now than they were. It was they were fairly dissatisfied with their candidates and their leadership, I'd say, at the start of this year. And then <laughs> that has changed as the year has moved on. It begins to look as though and I think in some sense, Mark Roundtree, this might have even been predictable uh, that that. Certain constituencies, certain voting blocks are simply coming home as we get closer to elections. Now, we're about 53 days out, I think it is. Uh, and all that's, that talk about all those those Republicans who I'm, I'm not I could never vote for Herschel Walker. I'm going to vote for Raphael Warnock. Those people they are probably going to begin to trickle back to the Republican column, wouldn't you think? And, and similarly. Uh, a lot of the disaffected black Democrats, uh, Stacey Abrams complaining about a lack of black support, especially among men. Uh, wouldn't you expect to see some of those folks come home to the Democratic Party as well? They almost inevitably will. Um, you know, you do have a situation where Herschel Walker is doing very, very slightly better among African-Americans than um, traditionally Republicans have done. Uh, he's he's carrying he does not have double digit support yet but this early out we're still two months out from an election um and uh he is carrying even the survey that was out yesterday shows democrats uh, winning 92 percent of uh excuse me republicans winning seven percent of the uh of the vote herschel walker winning seven percent usually a republican would be in around three or four by about now it's it's again it's 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 not a lot of difference but it is something and uh, when you're talking about a race that uh, could be decided by a point or two when it's all said and done, that could be an interesting, decisive factor. Mark Roundtree, Landmark Communications. Let, let's uh, take the telescope out a little bit and look nationally. Uh, the, the Republicans hoping to take the Senate, and, and Georgia might be pivotal in that. But other states as well, other closely watched states as well, Pennsylvania, Arizona, some others. Uh, what are you keeping your eye on as we head down the stretch in these Senate races? Well, of course, um, a third of the U.S. Senate races are on the ballot uh, in November. They don't all go on the ballot at one time. That's one reason why the, the Senate moves uh, tends to move in terms of government so much slower than uh, the U.S. House of Representatives. It moves. We are only holding a third of the elections in the country for the U.S. Senate. With that being said, the Republicans have a very narrow path, but there really is still a path for uh, a majority win. They probably won't can't win more than 51 percent unless something really weird happens. Um, right now, um, if you uh, look, there are half a dozen states that are really in play that could potentially go either way. The Republicans are not doing as well in Pennsylvania at all anymore, nor in Nevada. That means the Republicans would have to sweep the remaining sort of uh, swing states, call it what you will. But that actually is uh, currently happening, or at least within the realm of possibility of happening. In North Carolina, the Republican there, Ted Budd, is up by three. That's one of the states the Republicans would have to hold. Um, the Republicans would also have to hold Ohio and Wisconsin. And all three of those in the most recent polling have uh, Republicans leading there. And again, that means that the Republicans currently would hold those states in the U.S. Senate for the election that's up. 
and they would hold they would have to hold those that would leave two more states and that would be georgia and nevada and if the republicans can pick up those states take them back from democrats um, the Republicans would win a 51 percent, a 51 seat uh, majority in the U.S. Senate. Now you said Nevada. I think you meant to say you probably meant to say Arizona, as you said, Nevada there. Arizona, I think, is the one you're probably talking about. You tell well, me. I am saying Nevada. That's uh, OK. All right. In, in Nevada, the the Republican uh, uh, attorney, gen- former attorney general is suddenly leading there wow. by one point over the incumbent, Catherine Cortez Masto. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, most recent polling there has the Republican leading. Wow. Uh, in, in, in Arizona, the Republican is not doing as well. But um, the Republicans would have to pick up Georgia and Nevada or Georgia and Pennsylvania mm-hmm. or Georgia and uh, uh, Arizona, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. But I think the leading potential other state is Nevada. Uh, Mark Roundtree, quickly, uh, the Biden factor in all this, uh, and specifically as it relates to Warnock uh, here in Georgia, is is he something of an albatross around the neck of Raphael Warnock here? Would Raphael Warnock be doing any better if Biden were doing any better? Well, uh, you have to look at the fact that historically presidents are always unpopular going into the uh, midterm election of their first term and uh, this is no different in fact this is exceptionally worse um no, biden um of course everybody has polls that bounce around but biden has consistently been underwater by at least 10 points mm. um has been down as low as a 36 37 percent favorable rating nationally mm. and it has been exceptionally unpopular uh in terms of probably the worst polling numbers of any president ever in <laughs> And we got to yeah, leave it there. Got to leave it there. Uh, Mark Roundtree, Landmark Communications, uh, getting up early, joining us. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning, all.